Deuteronomy chapter 25. If there is a controversy between men, and they come to judgment, and the judges judge them, then they shall justify the righteous and condemn the wicked. It shall be, if the wicked man is worthy to be beaten, that the judge shall cause him to lie down and to be beaten before his face according to his wickedness by number. He may sentence him to no more than forty stripes. He shall not give more, lest if he should give more and beat him more than that many stripes, that your brother will be degraded in your sight. You shall not muzzle the ox when he treads out the grain. If brothers dwell together, and one of them dies and has no son, the wife of the dead shall not be married outside to a stranger. Her husband's brother shall go into her and take her as his wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. It shall be that the firstborn whom she bears shall succeed in the name of his brother who is dead, that his name shall not be blotted out of Israel. If the man doesn't want to take his brother's wife, then his brother's wife shall go up to the gate to the elders and say, My husband's brother refuses to raise up to his brother a name in Israel. He will not perform the duty of a husband's brother to me. Then the elders of the city shall call him and speak to him. If he stands and says, I don't want to take her, then his brother's wife shall come to him in the presence of the elders and loose his sandal from off his foot and spit in his face. She shall answer and say, So shall it be done to the man who does not build up his brother's house. His name shall be called in Israel, the house of him who had his sandal removed. When men strive against each other, and the wife of one draws near to deliver her husband out of the hand of him who strikes him, and she puts out her hand and grabs him by his private parts, then you shall cut off her hand, You are your I shall have no pity. You shall not have in your bag diverse weights, one heavy and one light. You shall not have in your house diverse measures, one large and one small. You shall have a perfect and just weight. You shall have a perfect and just measure, that your days may be long in the land which Yahweh your God gives you. For all who do such things, all who do unrighteously, are an abomination to Yahweh your God. Remember what Amalek did to you by way as you came out of Egypt, how he met you by the way and struck the rearmost of you, all who were feeble behind you, when you were faint and weary, and he didn't fear God. Therefore it shall be, when Yahweh your God has given you rest from all your enemies all around, in the land which Yahweh your God gives you for an inheritance to possess it, that you shall blot out the memory of Amalek from under the sky, you shall not forget. This, um, like all the other chapters in recent Deuteronomy, is just eclectic. It seems to have a bunch of different things. And that's because Moses is giving a speech and he's trying to tell them all the things he thinks he needs to do. And some of them are not connected. If you were writing an orderly book, you'd have all the patterns flow in order, but this is a speech. The whole book of Deuteronomy is the great speech and we're in the middle of it. So I'm gonna highlight a few interesting things. We find a verse quoted here, uh, I think it's, um, Verse 6, where it says, You shall not muzzle the ox as it treads out the grain. Now, normally, if it's your own ox, you know, people sometimes own cattle and they use it like a tractor to pull a plough. And uh, if it's your own ox, you wouldn't usually muzzle it because you've got to feed it anyway. 
and it may as well be happy while it's working. But people used to rent their oxes out, oxen out. <laughs> so if you, went, if you went and rented an ox, you wouldn't want to spend your own um, livelihood. You've already got to pay for the ox, so you wouldn't want to like let it eat your food. You're trying to make money, so people would muzzle the ox. And what Paul is saying here, uh, not Paul, um, we'll get to Paul in a second, but what Moses is saying here and the Lord is saying is don't muzzle the ox. In other words, let the poor thing have something to eat while it works. Now, Paul quotes from this twice in the New Testament, one in 1 Corinthians 9, one in 1 Timothy 5, 18. And he, he says the ox is a preacher and don't, you know, you shouldn't muzzle the preacher while he's working. In other words, if someone's pouring out their life for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of others, they deserve to be blessed. And um, so um, basically, um, it's, an, it's, it's an interesting, interesting picture. Not only is it about oxen back then and about preachers now, but it's an interesting picture into how the, the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy and the others are interpreted. Because you would read that and you would say, it's not talking about a preacher. It's just talking about an ox. But yet the Holy Spirit intended for that scripture to be talking about preachers. And you can see how all the way through the Old Testament there are so many little laws and commands and pictures which are for us, if your eyes are suddenly open to them, the Lord gives light to them and they suddenly make sense. It was like that whole chapter a few chapters ago where it was instructions for war, but in reality it's instructions for us on how to bring people to Christ. And there are so many things that are like that. And so preachers, of course, they're laboring in God's field and God's people they are God's field and if if the ox labors in the field he should be allowed to eat some of the grain and and it's really really good to pay a pastor very well not saying that because I'm a pastor and because I want to be paid well I'm saying that because it's very very hard all around the world there are pastors who are not paid well so it makes it difficult for them because they could so easily go and be employed elsewhere um, and earn better money. But they're serving the Lord because the Lord has called them to. And in the same way, uh, you know, you want your minister, your pastor, to do it with a whole heart. And one of the ways to do that is to pay him a fair wage so that his mind isn't worrying about how he's going to feed his children or how he's going to pay his electricity bill, but his mind can really be given to the actual work. <laughs> you know, imagine the poor oxen with a muzzle walking along and seeing all that food and being hungry and not being allowed to eat. It's really not fair. So these are some of the interesting ways that the Old Testament can be interpreted. And um, now there's two more things I want to discuss here. One's a strange little, um, a strange little passage. It says, one of the commentators I was reading described this as a rule about wrestling. <laughs> and when I saw that title, I thought, wrestling? But... <laughs> It's, it's the part that we just read where it says if two men are fighting with each other and a woman reaches out to, you know, she wants to help her husband, so she reaches out and grabs the private part of the opponent of her husband and squeezes, it said that that woman's hand had to be chopped off. So it's, it's, a, it's a, a law which sounds, one, bar, really barbaric, it sounds so different to the rest of things we see in the Bible. And you wonder how on earth could this be? Um, you know, why is this even here? And if you Google it, which I did, people made lot, have, there's people who made jokes about this law. 
and a lot of people make fun of the Bible based on this one, and they, there's a lot of people that clearly don't understand. Um, if you reach out, you know, if a woman, or not just a woman, but if, but if anyone was to reach out and grab someone's private parts and squeeze it, to grab it and crush it, what's going to happen to that person? So I think the first, the first myth to dispel here is that this is just an accidental thing. Because um, the way it's pictured by people on Google and that is that this is just an act, she just accidentally bumped his private area and now she's gonna have her hand chopped off. No, it's saying if, if a man is wrestling with his opponent or fighting with him and she reaches out to grab his private area. So this is something that's done with intent. She's obviously aware that it's a very painful area and she wants to hurt him so that her husband can be helped. Now, there's actually no story of this ever happening. So this is a, a hypothetical law about, about you know, when they come into the land, if this happens, and maybe because the law was written here, it never did happen. Most likely that's the case. But what's being illustrated here is, is the situation of someone that deliberately seeks to cause harm to someone else potentially rob that other man of the ability to have children. And we'd only read just a few chapters before that if anyone was emasculated by crushing, they weren't allowed in God's assembly. So this is also, a, you know, potentially a difficult area, a difficult topic. And um, we just read a few chapters ago that, that according to the justice of the times, it was an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. So if you harmed someone, you were expected to justice to you would be according to what you wanted done to someone else. But we've got a problem. If a woman reaches out to do something to a man, you can't exactly have justice because it's not the same thing. Women and men have different bodies, so you can't have an eye for an eye or a tooth for tooth in this particular case. So this is an example of the same thing, the law of retaliation, except it's retaliation in a different way. Her hand is the part that is has reached out to cause harm to someone else, maybe even to cause them to be infertile, maybe even to cause them to not be able to have children. And so the, the law is put here as a warning. Don't reach out to stop someone else from being fruitful, or you may find that you yourself are not able to be productive. You yourself may lose your hand and not able be able to function. And um, so often there's a lot more to them it's not something accidental, it's just something deliberate, something done to cause harm. And the repayment is of like kind, because even though the woman is, doesn't have the same body part, she, um, she re basically receives back like kind of punishment. The man, is rendered, the man is rendered fruitless, and the woman is rendered unproductive. So there's more that can be said about that, I guess, but I, I think to myself, um, and of course, if a man had done the same thing, then the other law would apply, I guess. You know, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. There would be, there would be equal justice there too. And so some of these laws, they seem silly, or they seem, um, you know, like barbaric, or they seem just ridiculous. But you, we've got to remember that there's nothing in the Bible that's not, that's not put there by the Lord and sometimes things that don't make sense to us, it's not because they don't make sense, it's because we don't understand them. And so even though I've given you a few thoughts on it just now, my feeling about it is that the meaning of it is deeper than that. 
And so if you, if you weren't satisfied by what I just said, and even to me, it's not completely satisfying, but I had to talk about it because it's an object of scorn and ridicule out there in the world. Um, but I think it's just worthwhile knowing that there's more context to it than what we realize. In ancient times, there were different things they thought, different things they did, different things they, ways they acted to now. And it's worth us keeping all of that in mind and realizing that the Lord has put these things in the Bible for a reason. If you don't completely understand it, perhaps you're the person to go and seek the Lord until the Lord gives you fresh insight and revelation on it. The last part of chapter 25 was a discussion of Amalek. It said that, that when the Israelites left Egypt, the Amalekites attacked them from the rear to destroy them. It said that they had no mercy on their young and their children and their weak. And it said to not forget that. And when they come into the promised land that they are to wipe them out and not forget. So um, they're not to forget to completely remove them so that they're not a remembered race anymore. So it seems very brutal and very barbaric. And we've discussed these things before, but I want to add a thought to that. And the thought is this, that each of these nations in the Old Testament, they represent something spiritual. So for example, Egypt represents the flesh. And all the way through the New Testament, you know, or even, for example, in, um, in Psalms, it, it, there's a place in the Psalms where it says, some trust in horses and some trust in chariots, but we will trust in the Lord. So you've got an example there of horses and chariots being representative of trusting in your own abilities. Other places in the prophets, it would say, don't go back to Egypt, but look to the Lord. Well, Egypt was a symbol of trusting in yourself or trusting in the flesh. And so a lot of these nations, they're symbolic of something spiritual. Well, Amalek is symbolic of ultimate evil. So while, or you could summarize, you could summarize in one word, Amalek is symbolic of the devil, of Satan himself. And so with Egypt, for example, it's symbolic of the flesh, which is obviously sinful and wrong, but it's more human. Whereas Amalek is evil, completely evil, there's no fear of God in Amalek, and it's, it's symbolic of the devil. You know, as Christians, the three big dangers we have are the world, which is temptations from other people out there, the flesh, which is our own human struggles, and the devil. The world, the flesh, and the devil, the three big temptations. Well, Egypt is symbolic of the flesh, but Amalek is symbolic of the devil. And so what you've got here is you've got this, the nation of Israel. They left Egypt. They were delivered out of the world, out of the flesh, by the, you know, by the mercies of Christ. So they're on their way into the, the plans of God, but now they're attacked from the rear by Amalek, by the devil. The devil has no mercy on God's people and he seeks to harm them and destroy. He seeks to attack. But the Lord tells us we had to have nothing to do with the devil. We had to put him aside completely. And so this is a picture of um, spiritually what does happen if we're not well embedded in Christ. If you're someone that seeks to follow the Lord, you become a target for Satan. But you need to embed yourself in Christ, have nothing to do with the ways of the evil one, Amalek, and um, you'll find that there's grace and mercy and protection for you if you stay in fellowship with God's people and stay under the covering of Christ. So we don't fear the devil, we fear God. But Amalek, this is a picture of the complete absence of the fear of God. Now if you're someone that doesn't fear the Lord, then you're a victim of Amalek and you need to come free.
Heavenly Father, these chapters are very different to things we're used to hearing about. And we acknowledge that. We acknowledge that there are things in here, like that passage about the wrestling, that just seem so strange and foreign to us. And we don't understand sometimes why these things are in the Bible. But Lord, we say to you today that we trust you, that we know this is your word. And I pray that you give us light and understanding about all your words. In Jesus' name, amen.